Dear Christian friends, it might be among the, the favorite phrases of just about every parent out there when a child says, I can do it myself. And of course, to be fair to our children, that phrase can be expressed uh, at different times for different reasons. Sometimes it's defiance, get away from me, I, I want to handle this on my own. Other times it's, it's confidence. It's a little step in the right direction of demonstrating independence, which of course, as parents, we want to see unless we want our adult children to live with us for the rest of their lives. We enjoy and appreciate that independence. It's what we teach and train them to do, to be able to do things themselves. I can do it myself. It's not just children who, who speak that phrase to their parents, is it? In fact, really that phrase is kind of the, the factory setting on all of us ever since the fall into sin. We still carry that with us to this day and will to the day we die. I can do it myself. And we could make a strong case to say that what started back in the, the Garden of Eden has just been passed down from one generation to the next. Adam and Eve, not content with the relationship, the perfect relationship they had with God, believed the devil's lie in, in thinking that they could be equals with him. They could do it themselves. They didn't need God to be God and, and them to be the created creature. They wanted to be on the same plane. And, and really, ever since then, we have had the same attitude. I can do it myself. Resorting to God really only after we have mucked things up so miserably beyond repair, then, then we go to the Lord and say, whoops, maybe I can't do it myself. In this regard, we can relate to those three disciples who were with Jesus on the top of that mountain. His, his inner circle, as they are sometimes called, Peter, James, and John, who also demonstrated that I-can-do-it-myself attitude throughout their lives during Jesus' ministry. They were far from flawless, were they? You think of, of Peter as Jesus walked on water and extended the invitation to Peter to do the same. And Peter seems to step out in faith. He, he steps out and then he stumbles and then he sinks. guess I can't do it myself. And the, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, the, the ones who, if you recall, asked for VIP treatment when Jesus would establish his kingdom that they anticipated would be here on earth. Let one of us sit on your right and the other on the left. Give us this position of prominence. They didn't really need the Lord to, to do or be what he was. They were a pretty big deal on their own. They could do it themselves. The fact of the matter is that it seems the, uh, that our Father recognized our propensity and that attitude to think that we can do it ourselves, which is perhaps why he spoke up when he did on the Mount of Transfiguration, as, as Jesus gave that bright glimpse, just a, a foreshadowing, a little taste of his glory to the disciples, it was God the Father's voice who spoke, and he spoke words worth listening to. He said, This is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. A declaration, followed by a demand. Listen to him. Now maybe that sounds or feels a little too harsh to think of the Father demanding that we listen to him. And probably that's a little bit more because we know the heart and the attitude of the Father behind those words. 
The Father who lavished his love on us. The Father who is the embodiment, the picture-perfect ideal of how a father ought to love and nourish and nurture and train and discipline his children. The Father who, believe it or not, knows us better than we know ourselves. And more than that, as much as we look out for ourselves in this world, we're each the most selfish, looking out and caring for ourselves more than anybody else. And yet, the Father himself wants what is best for us even more than we do. And if that's true, then what do you think he has in mind when he demands, when he encourages us to listen to his son, Jesus? Can it be anything but but goodness and blessings? When, When Jesus himself said that he came so that we might have life to the full, Not just eternal life someday, but life to the full right now. Listen to him, and he says, you'll you'll have it. But I'm inclined to, to wonder if we actually believe that promise. Why? Because it seems that that we as God's people are getting worse and worse at listening to him. Now, before you write that off as, as some statement uh, pining for the good old days when, when everybody knew that church was what you, you did, recognize that it's backed up by statistics. Do you realize that in, in our country, in our day and age, do you know the metric by which uh, church bodies are gauging their health? Church bodies aren't growing. You know what the measure of health is? Who's dying the least? Who's dying the slowest death? And so even in our own church body, we we kind of hold up this idea, well, we're not dying as fast as other Lutheran church bodies. Okay, I guess that's something to be thrilled about. And even in our own congregation, if you were at our, our January congregational meeting, you saw over the last decade, even if it's been ever so slightly, that trend for worship attendance has been on a decline. And what really makes that stand out is this. In that same 10-year period, our congregation has actually been growing. So we're growing, and yet we're listening to the word less and less. We have as many opportunities for Bible study as we have ever had, and yet the word still goes unheard by, by many. So the question is, why? Has our love for the Lord grown cold? Are we so enamored, so distracted, so attracted to the things of this world that they are our first love, that whatever the world offers has our hearts and we're more and more content to give the Lord the leftover pieces of our heart and presume that he should be good with that, that he should be thankful that that we give him anything. And and sadly, that's really just the tip of the iceberg, isn't it? Because it's one thing to talk about listening to him as the Father demanded, as he commanded us, and recognizing, as we mentioned in the children's message, there are different ways when it comes to listening, aren't there? You can listen and simply hear what is said without actually listening. Husbands and wives know this, don't you? When, when you are, are looking to your spouse after you have just said something and they're nodding their head in agreement and maybe you ask them to repeat what you just said and they said, okay, you got me, I wasn't listening. Or 
They were listening, and they can spit it out word for word, but they don't actually do what you just said. Or the child who is told, your video game time is up. Did you hear me? Yes. And then 10 minutes later, they're still playing video games. Apparently, you were not listening. So it seems that you can listen without listening. And I wonder, when it comes to our Christian faith, how many of us have been content to listen in terms of we hear what Jesus is saying, but we don't do it, we don't live it, we don't apply it. Maybe for years, maybe for decades, we've been content to, to hear it without really listening. And, and James... James, remember the one on, on top of the mountain, would actually lead, was led to, to raise this question about that kind of listening. In James chapter 1, beginning with verse 22, listen to what he says. He says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. So are you listening to him? And before, before you take too much comfort and pat yourself on the back as you look around and see a few empty spots and realize, well, I'm here listening, and so-and-so isn't here. Ask yourself if you're listening or you're listening. Because you can be here every Sunday, and you can hear the Word without really listening to it in your lives. So, what is the repercussion of not listening in the sense of applying? Well, if Jesus says that you will have life to the fullest and we're content just to, to hear without listening, then who's missing out? We are. He is the one that promises, that attaches blessings to when we listen. So, let's look at the perfect example of the one who listened. Let's return to the top of that, that mountain. And I want you to look beyond just the face that was as bright as the sun. Look past the clothes that were as bright as light itself. And I want you to see on top of the mountain what the father saw. The father declared what he had seen. Remember, he said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. With him I am well pleased. What is required for the father to express that feeling about somebody to be well-pleased. It's a phrase that, that means that he accepted, that, that he was acknowledging who Jesus was. It is impossible to please God if, if so much as a single sin taints our record in life. And yet to Jesus, the father said, I'm well-pleased. Jesus alone lived and listened perfectly. His whole life was one of, of perfect obedience, always willingly hearing the word, but also living it, always applying it, always craving, desiring, loving to do what the Father willed for him. 
Not just listening with his ears, but with his heart as he put it into action and he lived it perfectly for the Father. And not just for the Father, but for you and me as well. In fact, his obedience to his Father was ultimately to serve you and me. Because here is the thing. Here is why it was so important that Jesus lived perfectly in our place. Because as we are wrapping up this season of Epiphany and heading into the season of Lent, we follow the Savior as he trods, as he steps, as he takes each challenging step toward the cross. Filled with suffering. Only the one who lived a perfect life could die a perfect death. And if the Father said, I am well pleased with this Jesus on top of the mountain, then only that Jesus could serve as the perfect sacrifice to go to Calvary for you and me. And remember why this whole event happened in the first place. It was really to encourage the disciples. Remember how throughout their ministry, they had seen Jesus be the one who put an end to other people's suffering. Jesus, who worked his mighty and miraculous hand and ended the suffering of others, was now going to be the one to take suffering on himself. The suffering that that rightfully was yours and mine because of our sin. But the suffering that he willingly endured so that we would not have to. And, And it's that Savior who paid that price for you and me, that the Father says, listen to him. Because when you listen to him, you hear what you will not hear anywhere else. When you listen to to Jesus speak to you in his word, you hear a vocabulary that you don't find anywhere else in the world. You hear of peace. You hear of promise. You hear of purpose. You hear of comfort and confidence and contentment. You hear love. You hear forgiveness. You hear grace. You hear understanding. You hear gentleness. You hear kindness. You hear all of these things, not only in Jesus, but but the very things that now Jesus wants to work through us in our lives. And the very things that Jesus will work through us in our lives when and if we listen to him. This is is really the the best way to, to wrap up this series because whether we're talking about knowing the Lord, loving the Lord, or living for the Lord, every one of those aspects is wrapped up in listening to the Lord. You will not know him better without listening to him more. You will not love him better without listening to him more. And you will not be able to live for him at all without listening to him. Listening to the Lord is what leads to living for the Lord. Now look, if your life is ideal, if your life, if, if your life is the fairy tale life, if everything is perfect and, and happy-go-lucky, if you don't have any problems, if you don't have any challenges, if all of your relationships are, are just perfect, and you don't struggle with, with sin, you don't find temptation, 
Uh, you don't find snares in your life. There is nothing that you would change. Then by all means, please keep doing what you're doing because it must be working. But if not, if any of those apply to you or, or any other number of issues in your life, then, then maybe it's time to, to realize if I want different results, then maybe I should do something differently. Maybe, maybe I should not just listen to Jesus, but I, I should listen to him and apply what he says to my life. Maybe it, it's time to, to set that I can do it myself attitude to the side and rejoice and find peace and promise in the one who, who did it himself for you and the one who then frees you to live for him. So if you want to, to live for him, then let's agree that it all starts with listening to him. Are you willing to listen? Amen.